Hannah, a woman of faith, who is the mother of Samuel. And Samuel will be the one who anoints David. So we will draw some messages from her life. She stands out to me, some of the things that she says, and specifically with our, our, our reading this morning, as she praises God. Her words are very noteworthy in the Scriptures. And, and what she, how she speaks about God, speaks about His power, and speaks of His identity. Because it's who and how she identifies God that makes a big difference in her life. How she knows God and how she worships Him and has come to trust in Him. And she is a great example to us and her words are encouragement to us that we gain from her and from her faith. Before we study and listen to what God reveals and shows the providence that happens in her life, we want to pray together right now. So please, please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your steadfast love that you give us every day. We know that these things come through Jesus and, and how you, you demonstrate what we mean to you by sending him to die on the cross and rise again. Father, we thank you for this time we can study your word and we ask your blessings upon us that we will gain wisdom. We will learn from the instances and the, the faith and examples that are throughout the scriptures and specifically think about Hannah this morning. Think about her example. Father, we ask that you continue to bless us as that we have the wisdom from, from the scriptures to change our lives so that we draw closer to you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. We look this, woman at, this morning at a woman of faith, uh, and we see a lot about her. And I think I'm breaking one of my rules specifically for preaching on Mother's Day. For me personally, uh, I don't know if it's true for all preachers, but Mother's Day has always seen the hardest day to preach on, uh, to have the right subject, because I've always been cautioned, don't preach on this, don't preach on that, and try to balance things out. And I'm breaking one of those rules this morning because I'm talking about Hannah as a mother and wanting to become a mother not being able to because that's usually where the problem has come in. A, a lot of congregations, especially uh, with young women or women who have not been able to have, have children, have felt something about that that has, has bothered them. I'm very conscious of that. My mother and my uncle were adopted, and my grandmother adopted them later in life because she couldn't have children of her own. Uh, but I think, I hope that this this morning is an exception to that, and I don't think we have anyone here that would be offended by it. But what we see in Hannah's life is her great endurance, the suffering that she goes through, the, the grieving she goes through in the process of not being able to have children. And I think there are a lot of times we look in our life and we have certain expectations. You know, as men or women, we find that we have certain roles that we're supposed to take on and to assume. And then when you're not able to do that, and you wonder why, why am I going through the struggle? Why am I not able to uh, provide for my family? Why am I not, and someone might be struggling to find a spouse or to um, provide for their family, and we could go down the list of things that, we might really be str struggling with personally as regards to expectation. One thing that stands out to me when I was thinking about this is Romans chapter 5. Romans says that endurance, 
Uh, suffering builds up endurance, and endurance leads to and produces character. And that's really true. Everyone in here, we probably have something in our life that we've had to endure and go through that has changed us, changed our personality and who we are. And Lord willing, because you're here this morning, has drawn you closer to God. And that's what we're going to see with Hannah. Hannah is one of two wives to Elkanah. Now, why Elkanah is, has two wives and why polygamy is allowed at certain points in the Bible, um, I can't always say. You know, there's a lot of talk in it that it might be because of circumstances of very few men, maybe war, maybe other things that have taken place where God does allow this. But Hannah wanted to be a mother, and she's not able to, and she's grieved by it. In fact, she weeps about this bitterly. And then she feels it on her because the other woman there, and it might have been that Elkanah had been married to Hannah, and then he goes and marries um, Penina, and she puts down Hannah. And she provokes her, it says there. And so in this, we see Elkanah is a very faithful man. He goes up to the temple and he worships there in Shiloh. At this time, the tabernacle had not been moved into Jerusalem. And I guess technically it's not actually the temple yet. It's, not, it's still the tent where they are worshiping at. And so they go up to worship and he gives portions to Benina and her family, to her sons and her daughters. And then Elkanah gives a double portion to Hannah because she has no children. And in this, it might have been a bitter reminder. And we read this passage here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 5-6, through 6, and it says this, But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb, the Lord closed her womb. Why would God do that? Well, ultimately, we're going to see something amazing that comes from this, right? We have this great prophet who's going to be born, and he's going to do wonder, wonderful things. Um, and we could go down the list from there of King David and then his descendants and to Christ and that Hannah having a role and a part in this because of her demonstration of her faith. The Lord knew what He's doing and He was helping her personally to grow and grow closer to Him, to see who He was and to trust and rely on Him. And as I think about the things that she endures here, it reminds me of things that I need to do as a Christian. And if I want to be faithful to God and I want to rely on Him and when the struggles and the hardships come in life because they're going to come, how am I going to endure? Well, I need to know who my Creator is. And she's a great reminder of that. We continue to read here in verse 6 and it says, And her rival used to provoke her grievously, grievously to irritate her. It sounds like children or siblings, at least in our house some. Some of that irritating that goes on. And then again, the Scripture says because the Lord had closed her womb. Why would God do that? Why would He allow that? It's a great question to ask. And I think many women, and I, we could add men to, to this as well, they have you know, pressure of expectations in our life. Things that we're expected to do. And, they, and a lot of women feel that pressure of expectation. And it shapes the way they value themselves. In fact, you know, it goes for everyone. We have certain expectations, things that people expect us to do. And then if we don't do it, if we don't accomplish it, if we don't follow that, that line, then oftentimes people will degrade themselves. Well, maybe I'm not worthy of this. Maybe God doesn't care about me that much. Or um, 
Maybe I'm not that much an important person. And we can put ourselves down and think that we are not significant. We might think, well, why haven't I been able to influence some of the people in my family or my friends like I wish I could? I want to share the gospel with them. Why am I not as fruitful and successful in my career? Why am I not making more income? You know, we could go down the list, and some of that borderlines on coveting and going too far in the things that we expect. But we want to think about that. First of all, our expectations, our goals in life should be based on God, what God wants us to do. And I think that is something to think about as well as we look at Hannah's example. But many people degrade themselves because of those unmet goals and expectations. And I think that we need to be very cautious when we get to thinking about goals. A lot of goals today can be very selfish. They're more based in who I am and what I want for my life, and they become very covetous. Well, God, I want this, and God, I want this, and I want things to go this way. I don't want to marry this person and have this many children and live this kind of house and drive these many cars, and I want it to be a certain thing. You know, you're getting into coveting there. And God has His own plan and His own way. And the things that you go through in life produce character because they will humble you. And Hannah is very much humbled in these circumstances. And I want to emphasize this as well as we start doing that, that we stay away from that degradation. A lot of people that, when we look at society today, who feel useless. Because when, especially when you don't think about God and you cut God out of your life, all of a sudden it's a matter of what can you contribute to those around you. And how much do your friends value you? Or how much does your family value you? And it's, and it's not based in the Creator. And what the Bible tells us is who we are. That we're made in God's image and made in His likeness. And that, that should be the basis of our value. That God has made us and we're made like Him. We're made like the Creator of the universe. We also see this, that God loves us and He loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die for us. And that demonstration of God's love, again, should be a part of our value. And, again, and when you don't have God in your life, and we look around at this world and so many people are struggling with anxieties. They've become obsessively compulsive about certain things. They are depressing. And a lot of people say, well, you can't do anything about it. It's just, you know, it's a chemical imbalance. And you just need to go see a psychiatrist and then they give you medicine. And yes, there may be need and some aid that can come from that thing, from, from following that. But I think we should also be listening to what the Bible says when Christ says, do not be anxious or to know that your Creator loves you. And that a lot of it has to do with our spiritual life, with our mental thinking as well. That we live in a way where we think about our Creator who loves us and He values us and sent His Son to die for us. And we read in the Scriptures that God wants all people to be saved. There are some people that think that, oh, I've struggled in. I made this great mistake in my life. Certainly I can't come back to the church. Certainly I'm not worthy of forgiveness. You ever heard someone talk like that? I've heard, I've had friends who talk like that. I'm not worthy of forgiveness. I shouldn't come to church. And yet the Bible says God loves you. Recently I've talked to some individual that said, you know, well, can God save someone who has abused children? And I said, well, if they truly repent, He can. And someone said, well, what about a murderer? Will God save a murderer? And, and I remember having a discussion with someone just last week. And I said, well, think about this. About half the New Testament's written by the Apostle Paul. He captured it in prison and persecuted Christians and voted to have them put to death. He would have had blood on his hands if God had forgiven him. 
God loved him and he changed. And the gospel is what can change us. And God wants us all to be saved and he wants us all to come to repentance. And we see that because he wants that, that it is possible that all people can do that. I want you to look at a few scriptures here as we're thinking about this and in the context. We're going to look a little bit further at Hannah. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. This is one passage that comes to my mind. Every time I try to put effort in doing some things, I find that I can I fall flat on my face. But when when it seems like I have no control over something, and I'm just faithfully obeying God and seeking Him, that things work out to the point where I can't take any credit for it. God gets all the glory. I, I don't know how a better way to explain that. But, um, I mean, personally, I think back in my life, and I think about recently, um, about five, six years ago, starting going through graduate school. I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't do all these things. I didn't even choose to want to do this in the first place. And yet it was though God had a plan through it. And I, I can't take any credit in it. And then you think about that. And I think as a, as a minister, I've been able to baptize a lot of people. But every single time, it's as though I really don't have a part in it. A lot of times they come and say, I've been studying, reading my Bible. Okay, you want to study some more? Yes. And I'm always amazed by how people are affected by hearing the gospel and how things begin changing in their life. And so I think when we look back at our life and we see the great things that have happened, you know, when I was baptized, the spouse that I found, and the, the children that I have, I can't take any credit for those things. They're all given to me. It was all God's providence working throughout my life for the better. Even through hardships and times where I think, well, there's nothing good that can come out of this, and yet God works it for good. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9-10, it says this, Paul's talking, he says, but he said to me, this is God's speaking to Paul after he's going through this and in this weakness of his flesh. And I don't think he's referring here to, to sin, but he's probably referring to his lack of eyesight and other things and struggles he's, he's had in his life. He's, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says that. He says, in my weaknesses, that's when God does these great things. And so I can't boast in myself. I boast in him. And the scripture says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's when I go through these things in life that are the hardest that I see God working. Paul says they're weaknesses. And he can only boast in God after them. I think about this passage, and many of you, this might be your favorite scripture, one that you've memorized. Romans 8 and 28, it says, And we know that the, for those who love God, all things work for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. And that's the truth. Those of us that will rely and we have faith in God, we see that as true. And we see it definitely in Hannah's life. You see, Hannah went year after year before the Lord praying to Him, bitterly praying, but she found trust in God. I don't know how much trust she had before, but you continue to see how she's struggling with this, not being able to have children and then being able to have a child and to have Samuel and to be and making a vow to God that we're about to read in a moment and to look at in detail that through these trials, she grows closer to God. First Samuel chapter one, verses nine through 11 says that after 
they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. As she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she bowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the infliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Now she's committing Samuel to the Nazarite vow for all of his life. You remember Samson was like this as well. When you go to Numbers chapter 6, you can read about the Nazarite vow and about the, the vow and commitment to God and not cutting one's hair or eating of any produce of grapes and not drinking of wine. And so Samuel is committed to this, or he will be, as his, his mother, Hannah, at this time, not knowing she can have a child, praying to God, saying, God, you give me that child, I'm going to commit him to you. While Hannah was praying, you remember the story there, she's praying and she's praying in her heart and her lips are moving, but no words are coming out. Her voice can't be heard. And Eli, he sees this, and he rebukes her, thinking that she's drunk. She's come there and she's had too much wine. Hannah explains, no, I'm not drunk, but I'm troubled in spirit. And she explains that she's pouring out her soul to the Lord and praying to God. And Eli, not knowing what she's praying for, Eli says to her, and he blesses her, and he says, may your petition be granted. And we continue to read here in 1 Samuel, and we go on a little bit further, and we see that God hears her request, and she's going to be blessed. How many promise to follow God if God grants a request? You ever thought about this? There are a lot of people that say, God, if you would just give me these things in life, then I'll start following you. If you help me to get the education and the spouse that I want and the job that I want and the car that I want, help me to get the retirement and finish working for all these years and I can accumulate, then maybe later in life, God, I can come to you and commit myself to you. Then I'll be in church. Then I'll read the Bible. Then I'll pray. And Hannah's not doing that. She's doing it before that. She's spending her life saying, God, I'm going to be committed to you. I'm going to be praying to you. I'm going to be relying on you. She's going out and worshiping every year in the temple with sacrifices because of that faith. Turning to God to bless her. She had it the right way. And a lot of people say, well, God, one day at some point in my life, I will commit myself more to you. After you give me this and after you give me this. And Hannah was not like that. We see her faith and trust because she knew who her creator was. That if she wasn't committed to him, that he's not going to bless her. We read this in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 19 and 20, how God does bless her. It says they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. And they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. You know what Samuel means? The L at the begin, at the ending, end of a name means God, Elohim. The beginning of the name means heard. In other words, she was heard of God. God heard her prayers, and that's what she named Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. I've asked for him from the Lord, and he has heard me. And we see what Hannah does. She brings her son Samuel, and he grows up there in the presence of Eli. And God calls him, calls him to be a prophet. 
after he's weaned and he, he is dedicated to the Lord. And, and Hannah continues to return and to bring clothing for her son there as he is committed to serve the Lord all the days of his life. And he goes on to be this great prophet. But Hannah, what does she become? She becomes a great example of a mother, of one who knew what she needed to do, that she needed to commit her children to God. You know, would Hannah have done that? Would she have made this vow she didn't go through what she did? I think about that. I think about my children. I don't want to make sure that they are dedicated to the Lord, that they're going to seek Him out, that I'm going to put it into them in every chance that I have, and hopefully into their children as well. And in our house, it can be attested that what we pray for, the most common thing in my prayer is that, God, please bless my children and grow up to be faithful because I don't feel like it's in my control. I mean, I can, I can do a lot. I can influence them and I can study with them. But I know many brethren who their children have gone astray and have had other struggles and I, I pray God keep them faithful. I want to be the best example of that. I think about Hannah. She's dedicated her children for that. But you know what I see behind all of this before we finish this morning? It is, it is her faith. And it's her, her great statement of prayer that you read about in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that we read this morning in our reading that she knew who God was. And she believed it and lived by it. When you know who God is and you believe in who He is, that He is the rock, that He is the Creator of the, of the universe, that He cares and He loves for me, that He is the one that I must rely upon in every part of my life, it changes how you think. And the world has lost this. We have too much secularism. And people think, I'll think about God later in life. I'll commit myself later in life. I've got too many problems right now to be thinking about Him. I want you to think about from our, our reading. It says we've already read it this morning. I'm just going to bring out some observations here from 1 Samuel chapter 2. So if you have your Bible again, you want to go look at it. Look at some of the things that stand out there about what Hannah said. Hannah talks about God and says that God gives life and He can take life. That, she, that God can take you down into Sheol, into the place of death in the Hadean realm. And He can raise up. He can resurrect. She had that belief then. She talks about some very unique things in her prayer that I would not expect her to say. She talks about how God will anoint Will, will bless His anointed one. Before there was ever a king in Israel, she's anticipating this. How did she know? Maybe it had been revealed to her. She'd, God had told her. I don't know. But they had yet to have a king, and yet she's making these statements, these words about the coming king, and it seems to be alluding when she says anointed. Anointed meaning Messiah. Amazing things come from her mouth there. I encourage you to look at it again. Hannah's heart, she says, my heart is exalted in God. She's been blessed. She's relied upon God's providence to provide the way in her life. It's not about her and all the effort she does. It's about her faith and commitment to God. She prays God in deriding her enemies. That's a strange thing. Why would she deride her enemies? People who mocked her, maybe put her down. Why is it that you pray and you're so committed to God when you don't have any children? But by the way she lives, 
and her example. I think also about the way that Jesus often spoke to those who mocked him or mocked the Creator. And he calls them hypocrites and calls them sons of Satan or son of hell, at least we read about in Matthew chapter 23. And I don't know if Hannah has goes to that extent, but I know this. She says, I relied upon God and God blessed me. In the end, throughout all her weaknesses, she can say to her enemies, God has favored me because I followed Him faithfully. Hannah recognized that there are none beside God. There's nobody else that she can rely on. And in this world, people will put other things equal to God. My income, my job, the government... You see, a lot of people today, they're they're infatuated with the government giving them things as though they're equal to God. And Hannah says, there's none besides God. And what this means is that he's consecrated. God is set apart. He is unlike any other. And that's what the meaning of holiness is. I can't put my standard or my wants as equal to what God wants for His ultimate purpose and His use of me as His servant. We see this, he also says, Yahweh, the Lord, is the God of knowledge and judgment. I want wisdom, I want knowledge. It's got to be based upon God. The Bible begins, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You can't know anything, you can't understand anything, you can't perceive reality without that basis of who God is. And without God, we couldn't know anything in the first place. We see this. She says, God raises the low and, she, and He humbles the proud. We see the world as God's because He created it. These things she speaks. She says, God guards the faithful. She says, God will give strength to His anointed King. These are amazing words to be coming from the mouth of Hannah. And I think about that. I think about her as a, as a mother, and I think about what her, what her trust was in. And I see these words of hers. What she knows about God. And they're encouraging. So what we've seen this morning, we see a woman who knows God and trusts God, and she has significant influence on her family and those around her. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-6, through 6, and here Peter is talking, and he's talking to wives, And he says, you have a great influence by your chaste and modest conduct. By the way that you live, it influences your husband. And I think many have forgotten that, have gotten away from it. And and I think some women think, oh, I can't have any influence on my husband or on anybody. Peter says, by the Holy Spirit, that yes, you can. You have a great influence, whether you realize it or not whether he's obstinate and stubborn or not, the example of faith is there. We see this as well. The woman who fears God will be praised. Before we finish this morning, I want to leave you with that wonderful section of Scripture in Proverbs 31 that talks about the virtuous woman. And the conclusion that Solomon, or the the writer of Proverbs, says right here, the writer says, Charm and deceit. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. There are certain things that we wish would last and qualities that come along with youth or things that we want to acquire. But they're, going, they're not going to last. He says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates.
And if you remember here, who's sitting in the gates but her husband, who is an elder, is described here in Proverbs 31. The woman here is very fruitful. She's faithful to God. She provides and takes care of her family. And her works are seen, and she's praised for that. And this is what I believe makes a woman, Christian woman, glorious and beautiful. Is her heart and how she fears God and what great and wonderful things come from that. And this morning we've seen that come from Hannah. Whatever the hardships and the trials that you go through in life, don't degrade yourself. Don't devalue yourself. Trust in God and do it now. Trust in Him now and that God will work things providentially out because He will. He works all things for good to those who love Him. And in doing that, study and know who your Creator is. Think about Him. Contemplate Him. Because Hannah evidently did that. She took time and she thought about who God was. That's why she trusted in Him. You know, sometimes we read Scripture and we just pass over passages and we don't actually think about them and contemplate them or meditate upon them. We need to do that. This morning, if you drifted away from God and you haven't thought about who He was and who He is and how He blesses you and can bless you in your life, if you will trust in Him, rely on Him, and you believe in Him, then obey the Gospel. Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16, 16. This morning, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, confess that He rose from the dead and repented of your sins and be baptized, you can do that. You need prayers. You need encouragement. You can come today. We'd love to pray with you. Come right now while we sing.